party. <laughs> so if you don't like to worship the Lord, you're probably not going to like Freedom Fellowship. We love to worship God. Amen. We're a worshiping church. Prophesied over us. We're a worshiping church. But we're also a church of the word. And I want to tell you, many people have a lot of different ideas about Pentecost Sunday or Pentecost. And it's been changed and means this to that group and this to that group. Listen, God had a plan, a beautiful plan before the foundation of the world. And he knew it was coming. He was sending it. He was sending his Holy Spirit to fill up his children, to fill up those and call those and woo those into the kingdom of God. So we're going to look at Pentecost today. Celebrating it all over the world. If you came in late, there are churches all over the world today, not just in Texas or the United States, that are preaching the message of Pentecost. I remember being in a denominational church, and we were saying, Holy Spirit, Thou art welcome in this place. Holy Spirit, Thou art welcome in this place. Y'all know that? Omnipotent Father, full of glory and grace. You are welcome in this place. As long as you behave (laughs) and do what we want you to do. As long as you keep quiet. As long as you don't mess with my own Christianity. As long as you don't call me out and call me up. Oh, that wasn't in there, was it? <laughs> we do that, though. We, we qualify our songs. With, hey, that's a good, nice, that's a nice song. And he came with fire. <gasps> he came with a, the sound of a mighty rushing wind. And he came and he brought repentance. He can't, listen, Jesus could have chosen a lot of words for his last words on earth as we know them recorded in the word of God. So turn to Acts chapter 1. He could have written, he could have said a lot of different things. And I was thinking if this was my last day on earth, this, if I knew, Harold Watkins, this is your last day on earth, what would I tell my loved ones, my wife, my children? What would, what would be the words that would come out of my mouth? Oh, baby, I love you. I'm just going to miss you so much. Take care of the kids. Raise them properly. Uh, you know, I'd have all these thoughts of what I was going to tell my, my loved ones. What I would tell the church about, I, I love everybody, you know, and, and I just want you all to be good and be, be faithful in church and, and, you know, do the right things. And, and Jesus didn't say any of that. Now, this is really... It's important for us to get this. This is the foundation for what was about to take place. Jesus had already been resurrected. He had been on the earth. He, had been, uh, he was resurrected on the third day, remember? And then he spent 40 days on earth. He, and he was teaching during that time. He was, he was meeting up with the disciples and scared them, you know, like, yeah, here I am, you know. And they, he would walk through walls. And, but he was teaching. He was ministering. 500 people knew of his appearing. 500, over 500 people witnessed the resurrected Jesus Christ. And it's whittled down to about 120 or so. Because, see, not everybody wants Jesus. Not everybody wants the power of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that right, Brother Randy? Not everybody wants him because we don't know what to do with him. I'm afraid. So Jesus has this assembling of his group. And, and look at verse 4. And being assembled together with him, he commanded them, Do not depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said you have heard from me. So he said, W-A-I-T. Wait for the promise. Who's the promise? Holy Spirit, helper, comforter. 
power, okay? He said, wait for the promise that you've heard from me. In other words, I've been telling you this, guys. I've been telling you this over and over and over. I'm, I'm, I've got somebody that's coming back. It's going to take my place. As a matter of fact, he said, it's to your advantage that I leave. For John truly baptized you with water, but you shall be baptized. Say baptized. With the what? Holy Spirit, not many days from now. Not many days from now. Okay, God, you want to be a little more specific, Jesus? How many days I got to wait? Because I'll wait an hour for a good restaurant, but I don't know if I'll wait very long for this because I don't even know what this is. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, "Here, here we are in our flesh, okay? This is us in our flesh. Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He's about to leave. Hey, Lord, what, what, what are you going to do next? Are you going to restore the kingdom? Because, you know, I'm still thinking about that, that palace. Where are we going to live and who's going to serve where? They still had these mindsets of the physical. They still had this mindset of what they were going to do here on earth that looked like what they thought would look like a kingdom. Right? Okay. Now, now listen. And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. Now, he didn't say it wasn't important to know times or seasons, okay? He said right now, that's not the focus. This, this moment is not the focus for you to know about what's going to happen. He said, but this, here's his last words. But you shall receive power. Say power. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be what? Witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Not go to church, be good, mind your manners, take care of your parents. None of that. He said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses of me or to me or about me, for me. You're going to be witnesses to the world of Jesus Christ, the resurrected Savior. That's what you're going to do. It's all about God's timing. It's all about His timing. If He would have told them, Chad, hey guys, come here. Come, 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 come. Okay, you 12, because He had 12 now. Or, no, yeah, 11. They're going to add another one. He said, okay, guys, come. Hey. I want y'all to go out and really rock this world for me. And, and I'll be back in 2,000 years. I'm coming back, but y'all have to be patient. It's going to be a couple of thousand years, maybe more. What do you think they would have thought? 2,000 years? Man, that means I don't have to expect your return tomorrow. I don't have to live like you're coming back next week. And so we had, he, had, he was trying to take away from them the mindset that they could just put off and put off and put off until Jesus comes back. Because that's what we've done, church. We say, well, he's coming back someday. So I'll just hang out and be my own good self until he comes back. I don't really want that power. I don't want to really change my family. I don't want to really change my neighborhood. I don't want to really change the community. I'll just be good old me. I'll be a good old boy Christian. You can call me a deacon if you want to. I'll be, oh man, I'll, I'll do that. See, what well, we've got this mindset that Jesus isn't coming back. But he's coming back. And he's coming back for the bride. And it could be today. But he didn't tell us it's today. 
He didn't tell us it was yesterday. He says, I want you to be ready for my return, my appearing. But for you to function as a Christian in this depraved world, you better have the power of the Holy Spirit. We need it. He said, you shall be witnesses of me. Acts chapter 2. This is how it started for the, that little band of believers in the upper room. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Where's Rickard? Rickard in here? You need them to come on in. Start over. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord. Say one accord. It's not a Honda, okay? One accord. They were with one accord in one place. Say one place. And suddenly, say suddenly, there came a sound from a stereo system. Man, this guy had the best stereo system and the best sound system because they were rocking that place in the upper room. No, where did the sound come from? Heaven. You know, sometimes I breathe by, I breathe by that verse. Suddenly there comes a sound from heaven itself. Are you ready to share? Okay, be ready. A sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. It'd be like walking into a wind tunnel and you hear it, but you don't feel it. You're expecting your hair your, or your toupee to blow off. Some of you guys don't have to worry about that, I understand. But there's no wind. It's just the sound of wind. Only God can pull that off, right? They were not very high-tech back then. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Say all. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues or languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, Rickard had a revelation. He knew what I was going to preach on, so he wanted to share something that he had he'd sent me an email. He didn't say he wanted to share it, but we felt like he should share that this morning, what this one accord, this unity looks like. So we're back to Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. That with one accord... From the very first time I read that, that stood out bold to me. The Spirit said, that's significant. So I studied on it, and I met, uh, prayed on it. And what I wrote down in my journal a couple years ago was, with one accord is all minds, affections, desires, and wishes focused on the same end, having one desire, one prayer to God. There was none that was uninterested, none unconcerned. None of them were lukewarm. All were in earnest to see the Spirit of God come down and meet their united faith and prayer. When God's people meet with the same Spirit, they may expect every blessing. The Holy Ghost doesn't come where there is a noise and clamor, but on the face of the still waters. That's a good word. 
Thank you, Rickard. What we've done as the church body, I believe, is we focus so much on those first four verses. And we've made Pentecost about tongues. And when people hear the word Pentecost, they like, ah, he's going to be preaching on speaking in tongues. I want you to know, God showed up and he showed off that day. Say showed up, he showed off. Here's the way I believe God. God was just saying, these 120, they have endured for 10 days. They haven't argued. They haven't fought. You get 120 church members in one room for 10 days, see what happens. You'll fight over what, who gets what donut. 120 people in one room for 10 days seeking God's face. Seeking his will, waiting on him. That was a miracle in itself. Really. And so I believe Jesus said, they deserve something really extra special. I am going to amaze them. I'm going to pour out my spirit and they're going to be blown away. And they're going to know without a shadow of a doubt who showed up. I wonder if the church today, if we really know when God shows up. I wonder if we have been so blown away by God in his presence that we know without a shadow of a doubt, he is lighting on us. He is setting us on fire. Something, something looked like fire over our heads. You know what we would be doing? We would have the people, in the, the people that were behind, the people in the front trying to put it out. Get it out. Oh, he's on fire. His head's on fire. It looks like Michael Jackson. We would be trying to put stuff out instead of letting it burn. Letting it burn. We have quenched the Spirit of God. We have grieved the Holy Spirit because we've not allowed Him to be who He is in our lives. And we get in these fights over the languages. And God says, why are y'all troubled with that? Let me show you what I can do when I give this impartation to you because a lot of people are going to get saved. Oh, I don't want that gift. I don't want that gift. Well, listen, if you don't want the gifts that Jesus has for you, you really don't want Jesus. When my daddy came down, when, he, when we had tree, gifts under the tree, my daddy said, I've got you this. I didn't go, no, daddy, I don't want that. Uh-uh, I don't want that new football, that new bicycle. Uh-uh, I'm afraid of you, daddy. I said, no, what do you got? Come on, thank you, daddy. Thank you for that gift. You mean I didn't have to earn it? No, son, you've you done good. You, need, you, get a new, you get a new bicycle. And we look at our Heavenly Father and say, well, he's got these gifts for us, but they're so weird and wacky, I don't want nothing he's got to give me. Well, listen, you're, that's an antichrist spirit that comes against the anointing of God when you say, I don't want what God has for me. You need to repent from that. You need to repent. Verse 5, and they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Now that's not so amazing until you find out how many different languages were represented that day. 
And I'll probably butcher these words, but I'm going to give it my best shot, okay? Parthians and Medes and Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya, joining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them speaking in our own tongues. And what are they speaking? The wonderful works of God. Hallelujah, church. Come on. Speaking the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Here is the religious church. Others mocking said, they are just probably full of new wine. Look at the response to the Holy Spirit then and think about how we respond to the Holy Spirit today. They were confused, amazed, perplexed, and critical. Does that sound like today? Some people are amazed. Wow, I want everything God's got for me. Pour it out on me, Jesus, and I'll be faithful to operate in the way you're going to pour it into me. I'll be faithful. I'll be a clean vessel. Others, oh, I don't understand this, the Holy Spirit. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to stay in my little, my little group because we're safe. So they're a little bit confused. Others are just perplexed. Well, I've been to this church and I've been to that church. They roll in the aisle. They speak in tongues. They don't do nothing. Uh, they, they, they claim that they can raise the dead and, and they've got all this guy just perplexed. We got that in the body of Christ today. All across this world. People are going, I'm just perplexed. And then we have those that are critical. Man, they start judging people that say they're operating in the gifts of the Spirit. And I'm believing, and I'm telling you, I used to be one of those people, and I had to repent. We start figuring out who's got what in the body of Christ, don't we? Matter of fact, we, figure, we can figure out who's going to heaven and who's going to hell just by the way they live their life. We've got it all figured out. And so we, we have this thing called a critical spirit. Man, I had to repent of a critical spirit many times. Anybody? Well, a few of you are being honest. Well, hopefully all of you are. But look what the Holy Spirit did. But Peter, verse 14, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and he said to the men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, all, that you've, all of you that have come for the feast of Pentecost, all of you that have gathered to bring your sacrificial grain offering, all of you from all different parts of the world that have come here together, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk as you suppose, all of you critical people, all of you that are perplexed and are, are, don't understand, they're not drunk as you suppose. It's only the third hour of the day. It's 9 o'clock in the morning. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. We have this man who not many days before said, I don't even know that guy, Jesus. We have a man that even after Jesus was resurrected said, I think I'll go fishing instead of doing what God's called me to do. Here we have this man that is kind of ashamed of what the, the, of how he denied Christ. And Jesus had to tell him three times, I love you, I love you, I love you, feed my sheep. 
and yet he still had not gotten it until this day. Are y'all listening to me? He was a very good man. He, he, was, he had received Jesus. Now, Jesus had breathed upon him the Holy Spirit in John chapter 20. And he was, he was standing ready to do what God called him to do. But he was just like Jesus. Jesus didn't do any ministry until he was 30 years of age. And the Holy Spirit came upon him when he came out of the water. He had to be empowered. Say empowered. This was a different man from this day forward. Not the same. When you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, and I mean when you get the dose of the Holy Spirit and he comes upon you, you will not be the same. Matter of fact, you won't have to try to be his witness. He said, you shall be my witness. You don't have to take witnessing 101. You just let God fill you up. Then you go out in the power of the Spirit, but you don't go out without the word. That's where the difference comes in a lot of churches. Oh, I'm just filled with the Holy Spirit, and I heard this from God, and it doesn't line up with the Word, and they start shouting, doing this and that, and this and that, and it doesn't line up with the Word because oh, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just being led by the Spirit. i just be led by the Spirit, and I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I can do this, I can get by with that, I can do it. That doesn't matter because I'm led by the Spirit. I hear from God. And the Word has not become important to them anymore, but I want you to know, I want you to see here, this is so important. I hope you get this this morning, church. The first thing that Peter did was preach the Word. And he didn't preach it in tongues. He preached, he pro, he preached that day in his own language. Listen to what he said. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters, say your daughters, Okay, and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams. You know, I guess when I was 47, I was young, and now that I'm 59, I'm old. Because I had a vision when I was 47, all I do is dream now. But dreaming's good. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. Oh, we can prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Man, they thought he was coming back any day. Man, you better get right. You better get this message. You better make Jesus Lord of your life because he's coming back any moment. And then the same man that stood up and preached that day, if you'll look at 2 Peter 3, 8 and 9, says this. But, beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. Why? The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. As some count slackness, but his long suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. You know why he's tarried this long? Because he's waiting for people to get saved. He's waiting for the bride to get ready. And we're the bride. If you're a believer, if you know Jesus Christ, if you confess Jesus as your Lord, you're a bride. You're a part of the bride. Are you ready for the wedding? Are you ready for the wedding? I dare say mostly of in America, the church is probably not quite ready for the wedding. But we better get ready. Verse 22. Men of Israel, hear these words. 
Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified, you have crucified, and put to death. Whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. Probably not the most popular preacher that day. This Jew is going to get up and tell us that we crucified Jesus, the Messiah. He was just a man. He was off his rocker. We saw him. He was crazy. We knew he was supposed to be put to death. And we knew we made sure he was put to death. See, he's telling these people in this crowd that day that they were the ones that missed it and he didn't. And it was the power of the Holy Spirit that was going out. It was taking his words, just like God's doing right now, and zinging those words out. Zinging the words out. God had so much purpose in this day. This was a day he rolls out the red carpet of salvation. This is the premiere. This is his showcase. This is the day the church began. The New Testament church, Chad, as we know it, began that day with 120 people celebrating the Feast of first fruits, coming together to celebrate Jesus. And we ought to be jumping and shouting. Again, Peter refers to the prophetic word. This time he's quoting David. From Psalm 16, 18, verse 25. For David says concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face. For he is at my right hand that I might not be shaken. Therefore my heart rejoiced and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh also will rest in hope. For you will not leave my soul in Hades or the grave, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of joy in your presence. Men and brethren, let me speak freely. He was going to speak freely whether they asked him, want him to or not. Let me speak freely to you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried and his tomb is with us this day. He was laying this foundation. Listen, y'all believed in David. He was the king of Israel. Y'all believed him. Y'all knew the Messiah was coming from him, from his lineage. Well, listen, David's dead. He died and he's in his grave. Even though he spoke, all the things he was speaking were prophetic about Jesus. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with him an oath to him that of the fruit of his body, according to the flesh, he would raise up the Christ to sit on this throne. He, foreseeing this, spoke concerning the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in Hades, nor his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God has raised up, of which we are all witnesses. Wow. Man, I, I'm just, I picture Peter just... Speaking this word to all these thousands, and not everybody got saved that day. He's speaking to thousands of people. He says, this Jesus you crucified, he's not in the grave. He rose up. Anybody in here like to be told you're wrong? Wives, how often do you tell your husband that he's wrong and he receives that with joy? Or vice versa. Nobody likes to be told they're wrong. 
He just said to these thousands of people, you crucified the Messiah that you've been waiting for. You killed him. This is powerful. Verse 37. Now when they heard this, and these thousands of people heard this, they were cut to the heart. Cut to the heart. I was telling Mary Lou, the last thing that Peter cut off was a guy's ear. Sliced a guy's ear off in the name of Jesus. Today the word of God is slicing, penetrating the hearts of these religious people. Jews from all over the world. Y'all remember when the word sliced your heart open? Didn't have to be a great orator. It didn't have to be somebody that knew how to the right English. It, it didn't even it, it the word of God is living, active, it's sharper than two any two edged sword. Piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and as a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. There is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. I've never preached a sermon like this. The way Peter preached that sermon that day. Because look at the rest of verse 37. Go back to 37. They were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? I've never preached a sermon before that somebody stood up in the middle of the sermon and said, What do I got to do to be saved, Pastor? Well, we haven't got to the invitation yet. We have an order here. Now, we've actually had people saved during the altar, I mean, in, uh, in ministry time. I just want to tell you the power of God's word. You didn't have to come out of some slick voice that knows the right jokes to tell to set you up for whatever. Or they're the finest three-point sermons, and I'm not against three-point sermons. I just don't do them very often. <laughs> But the word of God is, is what goes out. It's going out this morning. Because see, it wasn't just them that crucified Jesus. It was us. It was our sins. You know, Mel Gibson got all sorts of flack for making the movie The Passion of the Christ. The Jews were very upset because, oh, you're making, it looks like you're saying that we killed Jesus. And, and then the... Italy, they all got all up in their arms because it was the Roman soldiers that actually did the crucifying. So everybody's upset. And I remember Mel Gibson, whatever you think of him, I don't, I don't care because this is what he said. He said, no, we all crucified him, didn't we? The past, the present, the future, we all, we all crucified Jesus. Our sins put him there. Your sins, Mary, my sins, Jesse, your sin, all of our sins put him on the cross. These people are going, we get it, Peter. What do we got to do? What do we do? And then, then Peter said to them, verse 38, repent. Say repent. And let every one of you 
be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises to you and to your children and to everybody that's assembled together in Freedom Fellowship, all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. He wrote this sermon for us. You know that, don't you? It's 2,000 years ago, but it's just as alive today as it was then. But you know, we've, we've perverted even the invitation. We have. We've said, if you'll just come and pray this prayer, man, you're good to go. We've said, if you will just join our church, you're good to go. We have said, is your mom and dad Christians? You're, you're with them? Okay, you're good to go. You're an American? Oh, wow, you're good to go because this nation was founded on Christian principles. We have watered down the invitation that says, unless you confess him, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. You know what that word confession means is the way you live it out. The way you, who you confess Christ to be. We, we, let's quit asking the question, have you accepted Christ? And ask him, who is Jesus to you? Because some of you in this room this morning, Jesus is a byproduct. He's an afterthought. He's a once in a week thing. He, he is an emergency call. He's a 911. He is not Lord of your life. And you have never received that baptism, that infusion of the Spirit of God to fill you up to overflowing that you can live the Christian life. And that's why he's become an afterthought, a once a week, a 911 call for you. He's not your breath. He's not your life. He's not everything about you. Everything, you've got so many more things that you can line up in front of Jesus. And you put him down here somewhere and he says, I'm Lord, I'm King. And we expect to go out in power and win the world for Jesus Christ. And yet we just... We fail to repent. I had a new understanding of the word repent many years ago. It wasn't doing the about face thing. And I know that's, that's part of it. Just part of it. But it's about... It's a change the way you think. That's the, very, the real definition of repentance is to change the way you think. And so on this day, 3,000 people, 3,000, say 3,000, 3,000 people, when they came to that place, they thought Jesus was a liar and a lunatic. When they left that place, they believed that he was Messiah. They had to have a radical change of thinking. And let me tell you, we've watered down the word believe. Oh, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. We'll sing it and we'll say it all day long. But you know what it meant for the Jews when they said, I believe? What do you think it meant for them? It meant that I will be cut off from my family. I will be kicked out of the synagogue. I will be put out from my friends. They're not going to like me anymore because I, I believe. It means they hung on to, they clung to, they gripped, they believed everything in the Word of God and they took it within themselves and began to live it. And when they said, I believe, it was not some easy thing for them. Did you know Jewish families today, those that are hardcore Orthodox Jews, if somebody converts to Christianity, they will erect a monument in a, in a, a cemetery and put their child's name on it and say they're dead. How would you like that? How many of you have had to give up much for Jesus? 
You know, we don't even want to give up our lifestyle. We don't want to give up what God's called us to give up. And we expect the church to grow. We expect the church to explode. Oh, I hear that word explode, explode, explode. Growth, we're in an overflow room. And some people won't even do the very simple things that God's commanded us to do. And we expect God's going to honor us. And we're going to be walking under the blessing. We put out a call. Well, I'll just get, I better stop there. No. Holy Spirit said No. <laughs> I will get a drink, though. We're going to be another hour or two here, so y'all ready? Nah, 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 don't do that. I know. He's kidding. Yeah, he's kidding. I'll clap because I'm, you know, I'm not staying. <laughs> I'm serious. That's the way we think. An hour or two. I've got, uh, I don't know, there's no baseball. I don't like baseball. There's no football on. Uh, Nobody cooks anymore. Nobody puts a roast in the oven. Anybody have a roast in the oven? Anybody have a roast in the oven? Anybody have an oven? (laughs) That was good. But we've all got to be somewhere, don't we? And we don't even know where we got to be, but we got to be somewhere. I know the Chapa family, they got food cooking. Amen, do you? No? Frank, no food, no food. So, we take out today, amen. Man, if it weren't for the church, restaurants would just close down on Sunday, you know? Now you're thinking, oh, I'm so glad he's, he's, we're laughing now. That was a little bit rough. Well, let's look at what this invasion of the Holy Spirit did to that first church. Turn to, I mean, look at verse 40. Because you know Peter, when he's preaching, and they're asking what they must do to be saved, and he says, okay, you've got to repent, be baptized. They're already coming, but he's, he's like, I've got to preach some more. You know, he already preached at Cornelius' household. Before he got through that sermon, people got filled with the Holy Spirit and got saved. So Peter's thinking, hey, how am I going to get my last point if these people get saved now? And with many other words. (laughs) So I'm thinking he's going to preach on. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Would you all think that we live in a perverse generation? If you don't think that, you don't, you just under the cover with, it's not out in the world. We live in a perverse generation. And I will say this, and I will say this, and the Holy Spirit will let me say this. We need to pray for our president that the Holy Spirit would invade him. For, for our country, for our president, the leader of this nation, to declare that homosexual marriage is okay, that's an abomination. That's an abomination. And we need to lift him up in prayer. We need to ask God to, just to wreck his life with the love of Christ. And we're not going to beat him down. We're not going to do any of that. We need to pray for him. You know what? If everybody would pray for the president instead of beating him down, we might not have had these decisions. And I don't know what you believe, and I don't care. But I'm telling you this. We are, our mandate is to come under his authority. But when that authority does what he said, it goes against the word of God, we've got to make some choices. And I don't know what we're going to do about that. Except we need to pray. We need to repent, church. We need to repent. 
God, how far we've come down as a, as a country. We're celebrating Memorial Day, these people that have given their lives for this country, and, and look what's happening. But, you know, I, I don't blame the world. The world has nothing. To, they're going to sin anyway. I blame the church of Jesus Christ. We have not taken our rightful place in this country and lived up to the expectations of what God's called us to be. We've allowed these things to happen. Not many amens there. Maybe some omis. Oh, my. My God. Help us. We need help. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. In that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. Somebody do some math for me. There's 120. There's 3,000 baptisms. How many does each person get to baptize? Go on. Figure, figure it out. Huh? Each person, there's 120 divided into 3,000. What is that? I don't see anybody with... Oh, come on now. Those are math people. Teachers. Susie, what is that? 120 people... What I'm saying is they all got to baptize somebody, I'm sure, because they couldn't all do it. I don't know that they could physically. I don't think Peter could physically just baptize that many people in one day. Matter of fact, they had to go different places to find water. Don't you, don't you think? Horse troughs, whatever, ponds, lakes, 25 people. I knew the answer. I just waited to see if y'all did. They continued. All right, here's the church, guys. Is this us? This is what I want to ask you this morning. And they, the church, continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread and in prayers. They became one like that 120. This 3,120 or so became one. And they continued listening and learning. They didn't just get this... Holy Spirit, and go crazy, they begin to be taught. They begin to be matured in Christ. And they begin to fellowship with these, with these great men of God. They begin to fellowship with this 120. And I'm sure that they, that was like the first small groups that ever started in the world. Cell groups were born that day because they couldn't all get in one place. Right? And so they had to break up in groups. And, and I'm, gonna say, I'm, I'm thinking this, the apostles were going, okay, Mary, you've got to take a group. James, you've got to take a group. And they were starting to separate them out. He said, you've got to take a group. Y'all got to start fellowshipping. Y'all got to get in the Word. Y'all got to start teaching one another. Y'all got to start listening. Y'all got to start being obedient. And they, gotta, they had to start some cell groups that would bring honor and glory to God. They were to eat together. This breaking of bread, some say that was communion. Others say, man, they just had fellowship. They ate together. Probably both. And look what happens when believers come together in unity. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Hmm. Do we even fear God anymore? Do we fear Him enough to obey Him? Do we respect Him? And are we in reverence and awe of Him enough? To be afraid to sin. You think? Ah, he's got a lot of grace. He's poured some grace on me, Lord. I'll do what I want to do. Hmm. How many of you believe we're in the last days? Show of hands. How many of you think you're ready for that? 
Merely said, I'm trying. <laughs> Believing it. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. Do you know we do that here at Freedom Fellowship? When you give, we don't we, we, we don't talk about our offerings a lot, but when you give here, when you sow in here, we sow into people. We help people, we give them food. We, we, we help them in so many tangible ways. And it's because you have a heart to give. But God's called us to be good stewards of what you're giving. So we pray and we seek God's advice and his, his wisdom and his guidance and how we disperse what we disperse. That's what they were doing. They were bringing things together. Now, they didn't all sell everything they had because a lot of them had to move back to where they were from to take the gospel back. But they were all together. They, they were looking out after each other. So what we do as a body. It's what we do as a family. You know, we're a family. Do y'all know that? Say hello to your brother or sister. Just right across. Who's next to you? Say hello. We're family. When your brother hurts, you should hurt. When your brother is falling, you should be there to help him up. We're family. And I picture that early church is, man, we got a bunch of baby Christians. I mean, it's like a big 3,000-member nursery, you know? They're trying to help one another. These 120 are probably getting stretched pretty thin here. But the Holy Spirit's been, has filled them up to, to teach them and train them. So continuing daily, verse 46, with one accord in the temple. Oh, that means they probably went and assembled together. And breaking bread from house to house, that's that house church thing, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. I've said this many times. If the true church of the living God were to be raised up, we are to really live the powerful, loving life that God has called us to. We would have favor with the world. They wouldn't look on us as in disdain. They wouldn't look on us and oh, I know about those preachers. I've heard this preacher had that affair, and I heard about that evangelist did that, and I've heard about these people uh, abusing children, and I've heard, you know, see that the church, if the church was the pure, loving, godly, holy church that God's called us to be, the world, we would have favor with the world. They wouldn't like our message, but we'd have favor with them. It's a little difference there. You know why? Because they would see, I, I can do business with that plumber that has the ichthus on his, on his truck because he's honorable. He's a man of integrity. But we've got guys putting that on their business cards that aren't full of integrity or good character. But we like that little calling card. Man, I want, I want to see the church rise up in character and in, 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 in integrity. That our yes is yes and our no is no. Man, that people can trust us. When somebody steps into office and he says he's a Christian, he isn't weird and wacky, he, he's, he's full of the power of God, and he's doing the mandate of God, what God's put in his heart to do, but he finds favor with the other congressmen. That, that can happen, church. The world's ready for The world wants to see integrity, I believe. I'm about to close. 
I was kidding about that hour or two. Unless afterwards, God's got something really awesome. Notice the progression. They received the word. They were baptized. Some of you have not been water baptized. Have confessed Jesus Christ. If you've not been water baptized, that's the very, very, very first thing that God said to do. Repent and be baptized. You need to follow through. Simple obedience. They continued to be equipped by being taught. They weren't uh, lone rangers. They were working together. They fellowshiped with each other. You know, I asked Mary Lou this morning, I said, man, we need to pray about who we're going to go to lunch with today. And I'll be honest with you, that's the last time I thought about that until right now. So God's going to put somebody on my heart to take the lunch. I like to hang out with the same people. That's not what we're about. Some of you haven't taken anybody to lunch in a long time except your wife or your husband. And there are people in this church who are just waiting for somebody to say, man, what are you doing for lunch today? Can we fellowship together? How many, I'm just, I'm going to embarrass you all. How many would be willing to say, I'll take somebody to lunch today? Just raise your hands. Okay. I'm going to hold you do that. I'm going to ask you later. You need to find somebody to ask. Take them to lunch. Even if you can't afford it, you can wash dishes or something. Okay, where were they? They fellowshiped with each other by eating and praying together. They feared God. And then signs and wonders were abundant. Aren't y'all ready for something more? Aren't you ready to see the blind see and the lame walk? I think that's part of the, the equation. If we do these other things, we'll see that. They shared with one another. They weren't selfish, in other words. They chose Jesus over the world, and they helped those in need. And guess what happened to the church? It exploded. We've been sitting at about the same number of people for weeks. There was one point when we were, it was so crowded in here. Brandon said, man, we need to set up chairs in there and put a, a, a video up there. We need to, you know, Easter Sunday, we are Resurrection Day. We were planning for an overflow crowd. And, and I thought, okay, that's awesome. We're growing. Uh, we come back from conferences. They said, start thinking like you're a 600-member church instead of a 300-member church, which is kind of where we're at. Bless you. And I wonder why we're not growing. A lot of people coming and going. Some people staying, some people leaving. Bless you again. We see little signs of, of God moving in power. Y'all notice what I'm saying? We've seen some people healed of cancer, which is awesome. We've heard Jose pre- prayed for a guy that got his sight back. Amen. Praise God. We've seen these things happen sporadically. It should be the norm. It should be the norm. Amen? Amen. That's a Trinity clap. (laughs) 
Many of you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Our class on Monday night, we've seen several people have been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And Ruth's going, yeah, that's me. <laughs> oh, we got a great group. We're going to start it over again. So we're seeing a lot of fruit there. Where's Josh? Man, he's got these testimonies, Josh and Colin, going out and just praying for people. It's, it's been beautiful. Some of you have your prayer language. Some of you are afraid of your prayer language or don't want your prayer language. And God's not going to give you something that's going to harm you. It's going to be a blessing. It'll build you up. Many of you operate in the gifts of healings, words of knowledge, prophecy. A lot of the gifts helps. Ministration. But I'm ready for more. I'm ready to see more. God's not going to give us more. He's going to, it's going to have to be you letting him in. He's already done everything he can do. I mean, he poured out his spirit. It's there for the taking. It's going to be up to us to yield. Surrender. If Jesus is coming back soon, this is the question I have for you. Who are you going to take with you? Who are you going to take with you? If we have received power, Jesus said we'd receive it, we would be his witnesses. And people will come to know Jesus. Not because you brought him to church, but because you got to lead somebody to Christ. It should be a normal, everyday occurrence in the body. We should be hearing about it all the time. We haven't baptized anybody in three weeks. The power of God is here. He's waiting to pour into you. Would you stand? It really gets down to this. Do you want what God has for you? It's really what it amounts to. Do you really want everything he has for you? Because if, he do, if you do, he'll give it to you. I'm not going to go through a list of qualifications to be filled with the Spirit of God. But I'm telling you this. When you get saved, you get the deposit of the Holy Spirit comes into you. I want everything. I asked for that when I was 47 years of age. He's still showing me new and, new and different things in my life. He's not through with me yet. He's not through with you yet. Wherever, wherever you're at on the spectrum of Christianity, if you're here or you're here, it doesn't matter. He wants you to be filled with him, walking in power, being his witnesses. He wants you to live in the word. He wants you to know the word and live and be led by the spirit of God. Would you just bow your heads? What do you want this morning? What do you want this morning?
When the blind man hollered out to Jesus, Jesus responded. He said, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want Jesus to do for you this morning? To make it through another day or to walk in power? To just get by or to get over and above? To just barely eke out an existence and have this dim light or to shine brightly for Christ? What do you want? Every every eye closed, every head bowed. I'm not even going to look around. Just do some business with God right now. Everybody in this place, in the sound booth, beside, anywhere. shall receive power and the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be my witnesses Father this morning I pray that every person in this room wants that they want the power of God to live the Christian life in victory and to bring others into the kingdom of God into everlasting life Father, that we would no longer be satisfied with a status quo Christianity. We would repent. We would repent, Father, from the depths of our heart and ask you to forgive us and begin to walk in truth and in love and in power. Your word says you didn't give us a spirit of fear, but power and love and a sound mind. And a sound mind is a mind that is the mind of Christ that you've said that we have. Father, may we hear your voice so clearly today that we will let go of the things you say let go of and we'll grab hold of the things you say to grab hold of. If you say go left, we'll go left. If you say go right, we'll go right. But we will follow you. Holy Spirit, just fall on your people today with a fresh infilling a fresh infilling a fresh baptism all across this room that people are saying yes to you yes to you yes to you Lord fill us up the overflowing that we cannot help but tell or speak of the wonderful things of God and when people hear us speaking they'll say wow They're just speaking of the wonderful things of God. Who is this God they're speaking to? Who is this God that they're proclaiming? Then you'll open doors for us to share our testimony of the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Father, you've called us to be a church of power. A church of power filled overflowing with your spirit. You can look up here. If you've just experienced something that God's doing in your life this morning, just raise your hand. It's God speaking to you. If it's empowering you this morning, if you're willing to step up to a new walk, a new level, hands all over the place. God's touching hearts this morning.
But you know what he's going to do? He's not just going to empower you to go out here. He's going to empower you to go out with praising him, speaking of him, sharing with him, changing your life. Don't be afraid of what God wants to do in your life. Amen? Amen. I love you guys. I do. And I'm ready for us to explode. I'm tired of talking about it. I want to see it happen. I want to see this place overflowing, but I want to see the gifts in operation. I want to hear people speaking and telling me testimonies of what God's doing in their life. Are y'all, are y'all ready to get on board for that? Yeah, as I put it out there, like I put it out so many times, if that's not for you, man, I'll bless you to go and be where, where you can do whatever God's called you to do there. But I, I believe God's taking us up and, and further. I don't think he's, we're going to stay with the way we are very long. Because we're going to affect the city for Jesus Christ. Would y'all be willing to go after that? Change this city for Jesus. God bless you. You may be seated. Okay. Yeah, I've got a couple of things that we need to share. Brenda, did you have something to share? Okay. Jesse wanted to share with you this morning, and, and then we'll uh, pray and dismiss. But I want to let you know, and Chad does, but I want you to know that we're going to have a ministry team here to, available to pray for you. If you want prayer, we'll have, uh, we'll have some people in this side room and in that back room where Brendan is back there. Wait, Brendan. Would you open up that room, turn the lights on? So we'll, if, if you're part of the ministry team, would you all be willing to go back and pray with people this, this morning uh, just to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? or for prayer for salvation, whatever that need is. This is my brother, Jesse Johnson. He has an awesome testimony. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, I know a lot of you guys have been uh, walking with me in the last maybe year or so. Uh, I came down with this uh, renal failure, of which I didn't understand at the time. And just to me, uh, it was explained as a kidney failure. And uh, so I had to, I had to go through quite a bit with this. I mean, I, a lot of days I walked in here and I was sick of the dog. And I mean, you know, but I kept coming. I, I kept coming in here because I knew, you know, that was, it, it was something here for me and I knew that, you know. And uh, Mary Lou and, and Misha prayed for me last week. And, it, and that was the beginning of where I'm at now, but it started kind of before that. And, uh, I just been blessed. I'm, I'm gonna say if you don't, if you haven't experienced the Holy Spirit, take my word for it. <laughs> it's for real, cause I have experienced it. And of course, this is a this is a good day. This is a good day for the church. It's a good day for me. And I I I, I had a hard time holding all this stuff until now. You know, I wanted to just go out and just scream, but. This last visit, I just went back to San Antonio. And to me, it was one of the old, same old, same old. You know, go get stuck full of holes and drug over here and drug over there. But this time, it was a lot different. Uh, at the very end, this, uh, this doctor comes in, the head of a transplant at Methodist, and uh, he was just kind of joking with me, I thought. <laughs> but he said, I got, a, I got a little thing up my sleeve for you. I said, what a little thing? What you, what you talking about? He says, uh, I got a gentleman 
that uh that matches you. And and what's so good about that, my son walked beside me in this whole deal. He wasn't a match. And that was very disappointing when he told me he wasn't a match. But that was an alternative to this whole deal. So we got in this program called Exchange Program. I, I, I'm still trying to wrap my mind around what that means. But for me, my son basically saved two lives. By his gesture, for me, he saved another man's life and in turn saved mine. So that to me is just a true blessing. And June 12th, we walk in there and I got my kidney. <laughs> just what you prayed for all this time. You prayed all this time for this. It's, you guys have done that. I just love you. I thank all of y'all. My pastor, Mary Lou. Man, this has been a long time coming. First thing I said was, I would, it would be nice to sit down and be able to eat a full meal. I haven't eaten a full meal in over a year. <laughs> so, and it's a lot of other things that I, not having working kidneys, guys, I did not know it affected you in so many ways, but it does. And it affected me in a whole lot of ways. But the one thing it didn't do was steal my joy, stop me from coming here, stop me from seeking the Holy Spirit. I know now, I, I know what it feels like. And I have been speaking to anybody that'll listen, telling them about what God has done in my life. And it's just the beginning. It's not the end. It's the beginning now. I get a chance to, to, to experience life again. I didn't think I would, not this soon. I mean, there are people languishing on this list for four to six years. I met a gentleman that had been on it 12 years. And it's, it just boggles my mind. And here I am. You know, God has delivered me. The Holy Spirit has delivered me. He gave me a kidney, and the man that I'm getting the kidney from is a very healthy 50-year-old. But, man, I, I'm just still, I'm still trying to absorb all of this stuff. But I, I had to tell you, God has prompted me to tell you because you guys have been with me through this whole deal. A lot of y'all have cried with me through this whole deal. Carol and Flo Jane have been my biggest support because I didn't know he went through the same thing that I was going through. I didn't know that. And him standing beside me really gave me a lot of strength and encouragement. It kept me going. It kept me positive because there was a lot of times I wanted to, I just wanted to stay at home. I didn't want to come up here. I, I didn't want to go out and, and eat at this restaurant with people because I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I couldn't sit there and eat and enjoy the food, you know. And so it, it really changed my life a lot. And, uh, I, I, I'll be able to give up all this stuff, all them, that stuff that's in my house, all this machine that does everything. I'll be able to give that up. But you know what? It's kind of bittersweet because for over a year, that's how I stayed alive. That's how I actually stayed alive. And I'm just, I don't know. I'm just thankful. Thank you. I love all you guys.
Amen. That's a tough act to follow. <laughs> oh. A lot of y'all know me, and you've never seen me come up here and do this before. Now almost made me fall back. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I've had various health problems over the years, and in September I was diagnosed with emphysema. Uh, and I've been having a hard time getting around. I mean, I, sometimes I just get up and go to the restroom, come back, I'm so out of breath, you know. And a lot of that, I found out, is because I've gained so much weight. I mean, a lot of you know, I used to hit the booze real hard. And when you drink like that, it takes up most of your life. And when you quit, there's a big hole left. Well, I was filling up with food. <laughs> and about six weeks ago, I weighed myself and was appalled to see that I was up to 220 pounds. You know, about 30 pounds since Christmas. And Thursday night, I weighed myself again and found out that I'd gained another 20 pounds. You know, I'm out to here, you know. But uh, I got up this morning, and I weighed myself. And I've lost 10 pounds. Three days. And I tell you, I could breathe so much easier this morning. And I just want to praise God for that. Well, I wish I could say that. I woke up. No, I didn't lose 10 pounds. Great testimony. If you knew his whole life story, you would just you'd be more wild. Be more wild than that. Chad. Talk about a tough act to follow. All right. Um, how many men do we have in here? Cool. And boys, that's right. A whole bunch. Um, how many men here went to see the movie Courageous when it came out last year? Sweet. So we have a lot of room to grow. All right. As a church, on uh, Friday the 15th, we're going to be showing the movie Courageous um, for all the men right here. But we're going to make a whole weekend out of it. That's Father's Day weekend, but this is going to be men's weekend. It's not just for fathers, um, but it's for all men. <laughs> I'm like it. Uh, jungle gym. Anyway, so uh, we'll get you the details here in the coming weeks, but just leave that Friday open. We're going to show that movie right here, and we're going to have some stuff planned. And if you have seen the movie, be prepared, because one of the things that we're going to do probably on Sunday is the resolution that uh, they go through in the movie. So if you're ready to kind of step it up to the next level and really commit your life, your family, your future to what God would have for you as a man of God, be prepared, because it's coming. So uh, stay tuned. Okay, let's stand. Uh, if you need prayer this morning, we're going to have that prayer room in the very back of the church available for prayer. And this one on the side will have it available for prayer. We don't want to leave anybody out. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, come see me. I'd love to pray with you. You know how I wore red today? Red in the Western culture is representative of Holy Spirit. Yeah. That's why our team's called the Redbirds. Amen. Father, thank you for this day. We love you. Show us who we're supposed to take to lunch today, Lord. Speak to those who uh, really need uh, just to meet with somebody to pray, Father. They wouldn't walk out uh, 
in a hurry, but they would take time to listen and get some godly prayer and counsel this morning. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for showing up today and showing off. Thank you, Jesus. And we seal the word that was spoken today. What was not of you, Father, may it fall to the floor, but what was of you, Father, may it bear fruit in us. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless y'all. We love y'all. Musica. Ah. Uh-huh. 